Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And we got the Node Defender joining us on this Thursday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how American institutions have turned into crypto enthusiasts as multi-trillion dollar asset manager BlackRock is stating that Bitcoin operates as an international asset with the power to revolutionize finance. The FedNow system is going live in the next two weeks as the Bank of England continues to push the boundaries of crypto adoption, now migrating one of the largest banks on the planet to become ISO compliant. And with over 90% of countries rolling out central bank digital currencies in 2024, we break down the details, showing our community how many of our favorite tokens are creating the greatest opportunities of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, today is a very special day, not just because BlackRock is announcing the ETF news or Bank of England's coming ISO compliant. You're a grandfather today, so I want to start off the show on the right note. Congratulations, first of all. Congratulations to your daughter. How's your grandchild doing? And thank you for making time for us this morning. Yeah, so she was actually born yesterday at 11.45 a.m. She's doing outstanding. She's a little beast. She's a little peanut, but like she's been eating and and my daughter's doing really well. It's a little bit touch and go there at the beginning, but, um, you know, she she pulled through and so she's doing very well. So I'm feeling very, very blessed today. Uh, but, you know, I spent a lot of time at the hospital just kind of holding her and staring at her. And, and I got to tell you, Abs, uh, I already had like focus, you know, but it really brought in this laser focus that, you know, we have to get this thing right. Like I don't have time for narratives or tribalism. Like what I have time for is to do the research and do the work and find the one or the few assets that are going to change our lives and make our lives better. And so that, that was a very kind of uh, eye-opening experience yesterday. Gonzo, and I love the conversation we had before the show. We're going to get to Johnny and Mario as well. But what you pointed out is very clear. I'm going to use a PG version of what we were saying before the show. What's happening over the next 10 to 20 years, if you don't put yourself in a situation, your family in a situation where you can take care of yourself, you're going to be dependent on the World Economic Forum, the IMF, and maybe the governments. So I'm in that, I'm in that same line. I'm in that same focus. And that's why I appreciate what we do every single day. We get an opportunity to talk to like-minded individuals. But we want to get this show started, Johnny. So how are you feeling this morning? Thanks for being here. Well, Abs, I know everyone's talking about the big news yesterday with Larry Fink, but there's no bigger news than when your family expands. And so 3T family just got bigger. So congratulations to Super G, which now instead of being Super Gonzo means Super Grandpa. Uh, he is the youngest looking grandpa on the show. I did. I put Billy up there with him. But Gonzo, congratulations to you and your family. There's nothing more important than uh, a healthy child. I can't wait to see that little warrior when she grows up. We'll put her back here on the tube. We'll get her out there, I promise. Absolutely. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Love and appreciate you guys. This is a long time where we've had all four of us. It's a sausage fest today, but it's great to see Mario Gonzo and abs. Oh, thanks for keeping it classy, Johnny. And we got Mario in the building <laughs> as well. Mario, I'm always happy to see you. We call you the node defender, but it's 2023. We're not defending nodes this morning. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Good morning, everybody. Super excited to be here. It is the first time in a very long time that we've been all four of us. And check this out. It's a very special day for Gonzo. So congratulations, Gonzo. Congratulations to, to the parents. Um, I know the feeling of, you know, having a newborn not, not that long ago. It is a very magical and, and special moment. So enjoy that. Uh, nonetheless, let's get the show started. Good morning, everybody. 
Absolutely, guys. And thank you for everyone for being here this morning. We're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. I'm giving updates throughout the day. When we look at the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index, we are at a 56, Johnny Crypto, sitting in greed. But the daily movers, Bitcoin Cash is one of the only green tokens today, up about 13%. Then it's basically right across the board. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at $1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 50% dominance. Ethereum is about 20%. We've got Bitcoin sitting above 30,000 at 30,100. Ethereum, 1870. And we've got XRP sitting here at 46 cents. And guys, we've already got 175 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to be discussing everything today. Bitcoin ETFs, quant network adoption, XRP getting ISO migration. But we're starting off with something very important. I don't want to say who this lady works for, but the man controls the education system in the United States. So anybody who wants to do their research, who controls the American uh, education system, that's who this lady works for. And she's talking about how crypto adoption is actually going to benefit institutions and not necessarily decentralized platforms. There are just long held and simple norms about how you treat customer assets, for, for example. Um, and what I think, I, I think crypto is here to stay. I think what's what's happened is is clearly a setback. But right now, I actually think it's a huge opportunity for the incumbent financial firms to actually take the lead. The ones that are already regulated and run, for example, regulated exchanges. Yeah, and know and know how to segregate client assets and 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 yeah. So I I think that is is what's going to happen. On kind of that might be ironic though, given the disruption that crypto promised. Yeah, there is some irony to it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm sh yeah, it is, it is ironic. But I Oh, it's definitely ironic. And it's definitely counterintuitive, Johnny. Many of the people who bought Bitcoin did it specifically to get away from the large institutions. Well, now the Bitcoin maxis have become cheerleaders for people like BlackRock and JP Morgan, sitting, of course, you should buy an ETF, increase adoption around the world. So before we get into the Larry Fink news, what are you paying attention to when it comes to Bitcoin? Well, she literally just said what we've been saying for a year. If you, if you, I'll translate into English what she said. She said, we're shifting from the small sandbox with the little guys, the little peons, to the big sandbox where all the big boys go. You, you literally heard her say that, right? She literally said that, that the traditional firm, financial firms that handle this stuff will now be coming into play. And now, there you go. That's why every single thing that has led up to this point, all the delays, all the operation choke points, all the lawsuits, all of that should pretty much confirm. Well, we already knew it anyway, so it was no surprise. But basically, that was the game plan was to figure out. I think what happened is when the big financial institutions realized, like, holy crap, this is real. There is something here. This is going to be here to say, well, now they want to play, right? And they're coming in and playing. And so the reality is, yeah, of course, all the Bitcoin maximalists, anybody who's a crypto enthusiast, is probably going to be supportive of this to some degree because if it doesn't happen, they're going to end up crushing it. So you got two options. Either they kill it or they take it over. Which one do you want? The lesser of the two evils, right, at the end of the day is where we're headed. And to me, you can see it's going to be that they're going to take it over. Now, the good news for everybody here is you're in so early, there's going to be some Amazons in here. So make sure you have an exit plan, Abs. Spot on, guys. And we got 180 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo Mario, I'm coming to you first after this video. Johnny, we've debated for a long time on this channel. What is better to hold over a 10-year period, Bitcoin or gold? Well, Larry Fink actually chimed into that conversation. So I'm excited to hear this next clip. And also, I do believe the role of crypto is... Um, it is, it, it, it's digitizing gold in many yeah. ways. It's a, it's a, instead of investing in gold as a hedge against inflation, a hedge against the, uh, the onerous problems of any one country or, or, the, or the devaluation of your currency, whatever country you're in. Um, let's be clear, Bitcoin is an international asset. It's not based on any one currency. And so it, it, it can represent an asset that people can play as an alternative. I would call, the, the foundation of BlackRock is about hope. You invest for retirement because you believe tomorrow is better than today. Tomorrow is better than today, guys. I don't know. That quote really stuck with me when it came to BlackRock. I guess it's a good quote, 
But Johnny, you give me your, I mean, Gonzo, you give me your thoughts. Larry Fink for a long time has criticized not only Bitcoin, but proof of work. And for anybody who follows BlackRock, they are the number one global proponent of ESG standards. So with that being said, you give me your thoughts. We'll kick it to Mario. Yeah. So when you, when you look at it, he's definitely has changed his stance, right? And why is everyone so excited? Because when you look at BlackRock, they're kind of the inventors or the originators of the ETF market, right? You hear them talking about democratization. And so when you, they took gold and it was like a $3 trillion asset. And now today it's, I, I think it's just under 13 trillion, right? So people are assuming that the same thing is going to happen with Bitcoin, right? And you could already hear how he's talking about it. He's saying that it's digital gold. He's saying that it's hope. Who else have we seen use those kind of words, right? Michael Saylor. So you're going to start to see these guys kind of pivot and start to use that. But I, I will say this, is that I, I think that as traditional finance, Johnny spot on on the comment that he made as they come in. But they also think, though, if you hear them talk, they, they, a lot of them talk about separating like the blockchain from like, they're trying to literally separate blockchain from Bitcoin. And that's just not the way it works. They're going to they're gonna put their hands into this. They're going to take their bets. But I also think that they can, they think that they can control it, that they can manipulate it. And, and it's just so decentralized that I don't think it's going to work out the way they think it is. Are we going to get price appreciation? A hundred percent. But, you know, what she was talking about is like centralizing it more. And that's just not the way that Bitcoin works. There's no way to centralize it, right? It was built that way. It's programmed that way. So, but yeah, definitely this thing's going to start running because all these guys are going to start kind of talking out of the same playbook, talking about democratization, talking about digital gold, that it's hope, right? Yeah, I want to say something. It's probably going to be a little bit controversial, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. I feel like we're at a very uh, hypocritical moment where we have the institutions that used to bash on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency now they're like, oh, look, this is international money. This is uh, digital gold. And, and he, he referred to crypto first before he mentioned Bitcoin. And then, we also have the, um, and then we also have the people, the users of all these cryptocurrencies, primarily the Bitcoin maxis. The Bitcoin maxis, you know, decentralization, forget the institutions, forget the banks. But yet they're so excited that uh, BlackRock is launching an ETF. Why? Because it's all about price appreciation. Absolutely 100% about price appreciation. And so the reason why I say it's a hypocritical moment, because, you know, the people that have been for the technology and for the decentralization, well, although I agree with Gonzo, it's difficult to centralize Bitcoin, but at the same time, it is becoming more centralized in, in the aspect of we're getting all these centralized players coming in. And I don't think that that's uh, in all a, a bad thing, because in order for us to get the adoption that, that we all want, for the price appreciation, we do need the centralization part to come in because they're going to make it easier for the adoption. They're going to create these um, platforms, onboarding ramps, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to make it easier for the regular folk to come in and, and be exposed to crypto and be exposed to Bitcoin. So I just think it's a very hypocritical moment because we're witnessing these two sides, like the investors or the maxis that are like super excited when you know, it's not really something that should align with them. And at the same time, we have the institutions that used to bash on, on these technologies so much. And now they're like, oh, it's international money. But, you know, nothing new under the sun. We knew this the day was going to come eventually. Yeah, but so you got to give me your thoughts here as well. Yeah. So for, so first of all, Mario, that's how the world works. OK, so it, as as Yusko said, when you want to buy something, you don't buy it at the peak. So that is the process. And it goes through these very hypocritical stages now, the question is, if you're awake and you're paying attention and you're not looking over here or you're looking over there, then you'll be like us and you'll be in the game. And now when you get to watch the sausage being made, I've said this many times, it's ugly watching sausage being made unless you're Italian and you get it. But, you know, the reality is that's just how the game is played. So, yes, hypocritical, but who cares? Because if you want to get to the next level, that's how it's going to happen. But Abs, let me throw a fun fact out here for all you guys. So. You know, it's so funny to hear Fink, you know, obviously switches tune, which no surprise. We all knew this was coming. Um, but do you realize he's one of the biggest Bitcoin owners? Because guess what? Guess what company BlackRock owns? Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Saylor's MicroStrategies. 15.94%. They own 15.94% of 
of Mike Pashazi. And you're literally hearing him say exactly what Sam has been saying. Let me actually add to that, Johnny. Yesterday during that Fox Business interview, they asked him, do you own Bitcoin? He he said no, which is no, very funny. Which because he I doesn't. Know, yeah, because he – He doesn't, yeah. but his company does, right? It's very so you, misleading. So it's all about how you yeah. ask the question. So think about this. They own 15.9% of MicroStrategy, which owns, I think, $4.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. So who stands to gain? Or think of how much BlackRock stands to gain when sailors, what is it, 15,000 or 152,000 Bitcoins he owns is going to skyrocket. I mean, come on, guys. It's all right there in front of you. The man, BlackRock is going to, they're going to make multi-billions off of this. But then again, Everybody else who's there early has a chance, as Gonzo said earlier, to create generational wealth for your family, too. So I don't really care. The hypocrisy, I don't care about. Just put yourself in a position so that when that high tide comes in, make sure your boat is in the water. No pun intended. Absolutely. Can I add another fun fact, Abs? Yeah. So if you were to look at Bitcoin and you went to they have the website where you can uh, match market cap with and you put Bitcoin at the market cap of gold. Uh, it puts the price of Bitcoin at uh, about 650000 I think it's under 650000 per token if it matches that. And a lot of people think, and look, I'm not trying to sell you Hopium. I'm just telling you what the numbers are. Um, and a lot of people think that Bitcoin, because it's so decentralized and it's easier to move than gold is, that it'll surpass the uh, total market cap of gold just because it's going to be easier to um, process and to move around. And it's that's, really oh god, that's ninety eight point eight billion dollars. Did I get that right? How many is there? Yeah, ninety eight point eight billion dollars that Michael Saylor's Bitcoin is gonna be worth if that were to happen. That's crazy. Absolutely, guys. And we got 266 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, you brought up something very important earlier in the episode. You said they're trying to distinguish crypto and blockchain when the reality is crypto is chained to the block, as one of our listeners said. And Larry Fink elaborates on that during this clip. I went through the whole 18-minute Fox Business interview yesterday. And although the Bitcoin clip was circulating on Twitter, I believe this one right here is much more important. Well, no, I actually believe the underlying technology is fantastic because oh, really? the blockchain will help you accelerate the processes of mm. transactions. The blockchain will help you identify. I mean, let's be clear. If you have a pure blockchain and you have, every, you have knowledge of who the buyers and sellers are, we could then, you know, we don't need custodians anymore. Okay. We don't need, you know. We're going to play the remainder of that clip, but I got to get a comment there. You see what he said, Gonzo? You can see what the buyers and sellers are with crypto. I thought this was the best technology for money laundering. Why don't you enlighten me? Yeah, you know, 100%. Um, and it's funny because, again, it goes to that same narrative. Like they think that they're going to separate some of these like digital assets from their blockchains, but they're one in the same, right? And so it can be very confusing where and, – and, and this allows them to talk out of both sides of their mouth where they say, okay, Bitcoin is rat poison, but the blockchain is something there, right? When it's actually the same thing. So it confuses people, right? And, and I think that's what they want to do. He's going to continue to talk about the tokenization of assets, right? But we know that the way that, you know, unless you're using the Lightning Network or they build another platform, and they are working on it, right? Smart contracts are coming to Bitcoin. Um, you've got the ordinals that have jumped off with the NFTs and the BRC20 tokens. So there is stuff being developed on there, but he talks about the tokenization of assets, right? He doesn't say it's going to happen on Bitcoin, but he talks about that that's the key to the future. And so it's finding out which blockchains that, that that's going to be. And I think it's going to be multiple. I've said that, that there's going to be blockchains that are very specific for certain things, whether that's gaming, NFTs, whether that's payments, whether that's like, government uh, blockchains that have to do with like marriage certificates and your registration. I think it's going to be a, a combination of them and it's going to be depending on how scalable they are and how quickly they are, right? Depends on what, what their use case is for, right? And Johnny, I think a better conversation to have right now is obviously BlackRock is moving into the crypto space and they're focused on Bitcoin because that's what people know. What do you think is going to happen? There was a statistic I saw just last week. If BlackRock took 
3% of their total portfolio, they could buy all of the Bitcoin and XRP that exists on exchanges today. And we're about to show our listeners an article about how Uphold currently holds over 1 billion XRP. So that just goes to show you how much power BlackRock has. But you tell me, what, are you, what do you think will be the, the implications when BlackRock does get this ETF approval? In the past, it's been buy the rumor, sell the news. Is this actually a bullish catalyst? Well, it's certainly a bullish catalyst from that perspective, but there's always the manipulation aspect of it that you just mentioned. That's always, you know, you, know, you could buy all the gold and then you own the gold, then you could control the price. So to some degree, um, so there's two different unique things. Obviously with Bitcoin, there's the production of Bitcoin, which is the miners, right? And right now they don't, I don't think uh, Blackcoin, Blackcoin, Blackrock owns all the miners. So you'd have to keep it on who's buying up all the miners. That's something to watch for. Because that gives it independence, at least of production. And then the second element, because because while that will drive the price up, but then whoever owns it and holds on to it or sells it also. So there's two different aspects there at play in terms of price manipulation and where that goes. Now, the question is, will there be any regulation around monopolizing it and preventing some one company to own, you know, more than 50 percent of Bitcoin the way they kind of do with companies and corporations? I don't think that'll be the case, but that would be something to keep an eye on. But I, I think it's just going to be your conventional uh, you know, potential manipulation. I think there is going to be that side of it. However, once again, because we're in so early abs, we're going to kind of grow up and live through that whole explosion in manipulation factor as it moves from, let's say, 30,000 to wherever it's going. Gonzo had pinned it at 650,000 if it gets to the equivalency of gold, right? So, so those are like the two, if you look at the field goal posts, there's going to be some movement from there to there and if you're in early, you know, I know nobody's going to like this comment, but I look at it this way. It's going to get manipulated either way. Do you want to be in the game and rise or do you just want to not be in the game and watch it rise? <laughs> Those are really, like, I don't know if anybody sees any other choice here, but that I just try to break it down to the two fundamentals. And I'd rather have my boat in the water than not have my boat in the water when this tide comes in. Guys, we got 313 live listeners joining us, and every single one of those listeners is ahead of the game when it comes to the crypto space. What we've noticed with Larry Fink, and I'm going to play the remainder of this video, these big financial institutions are never held accountable for their opinion. Back in 2017, 2018, Bitcoin was nothing but nefarious activity, illegal blockchain used for drugs, whatever they were telling us. Well, now they've done a complete 180, and the same people... I don't want to say his name because of everything that happened on the show yesterday. The same people who are on Fox Business interviewing him about Bitcoin adoption are the people that he was criticizing Bitcoin to three or four years ago. And they continue to not hold him accountable and they continue to not ask the important questions. That's why I think he's willing to go on Fox Business, guys. But here's the remainder of this clip. Here we go. Well, no, I actually believe the underlying technology is fantastic because the blockchain will help you accelerate the processes of Mm. transactions. The blockchain will help you identify I mean, let's be clear. If you have a pure blockchain and you have every you have knowledge of who the buyers and sellers are, we could then you know we don't need custodians anymore. Okay. We don't need you know the whole process of finance. Some of the intermediaries are broken down, and so this is why if we're we all studying. There, but we're not there. We're not close to there. Well, but it, but it's an advancement of technology. Yeah, I mean, it's good. no different than. Um, the spirit around AI and what AI can do. Larry. Well, no, I actually believe- Mario, there's a lot of information in that clip and he obviously compares blockchain adoption to AI adoption. I don't think it's a good comparison or analogy whatsoever. I do want to hear from you and Gonzo and then I'll give my take. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, what he said there was very important. Uh, We're still early. And as, as Johnny was saying, you know, the manipulation, the manipulation can be our friend in this case, as long as we know how to take those profits, as long as how we, as long as we know when we're somewhat at the top, you know, it's hard to determine the top, but when we know we're in a bubble, just like we were a couple of years ago, take your profits. And so that manipulation can actually be our, be, be, uh, to our favor for the short term in the long term. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I believe that Bitcoin will surpass gold as far as, uh, as far as market cap. Although it is expensive to transact Bitcoin, I it's sure of a heck cheaper than 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 it is to transact gold and to carry gold around with you and to you know <laughs> store it and all that and all that stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and say it because of the way that the world is moving, we're moving more digital like every single day, and so it it makes total sense that there there, there has to be a digital asset with a store of value, just like gold, but digital version now. 
I'm saying it's Bitcoin because it's the most obvious. Could it be something else? Absolutely. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's something else. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and say it's Bitcoin because it's the most obvious outcome. Uh, Gonzo, I want to get your take as well. But Mario brought up something very interesting. There's two narratives going on here when it comes to BlackRock's Bitcoin adoption. The first narrative is that they're doing a 180. Now they're entering the Bitcoin market and we explained how they're going to profit off of that. The second narrative is they are steering retail investors away from gold. And this is a video I would love to show our listeners before we hear from you, Gonzo, as BRICS nations are set to launch a gold-backed currency in not months, not years, this week. This is humongous, guys. I'm going to play a couple seconds here and go to Gonzo. The BRICS group is set to introduce a new currency backed by gold in contrast to the credit-backed U.S. dollar with countries lining up to join the growing initiative. The BRICS countries are planning to introduce a new trading currency which will be backed by gold. More and more countries recently expressed desire to join BRICS. The decision comes a month ahead of scheduled alliance summit in Johannesburg, South Africa. So we can get into the details, Gonzo, but what we are seeing is a de-dollarization worldwide. And now the alternative has emerged. And it's not crypto. It's not even a new fiat currency. It is a gold-backed currency, just like the U.S. dollar was in 1973. You tell me what sticks out to you. Yeah, you know, definitely, you know, we've talked about this before about the de-dollarization. So the U.S. has to come up with something. And so the way I always look at it, bro, is like this is chess. And these guys are making moves way ahead of time. So, you know, while the BRICS nations are making moves towards gold, maybe the U.S. is making a move towards something more digital, right? Whether that's Bitcoin or one of the other assets, that remains to be seen. But we definitely have seen a turn in the... um in the way that they talk about cryptocurrencies and the way they talk about Bitcoin, this spot ETF thing is just kind of the beginning. And you hear him reiterating, right? Um, he's talking about the tokenization of assets, right? That's the next thing to come and, and the money that comes with that. But it, it, what, going back to what Mario was saying a little bit earlier, you know, when we go through these phases and these cycles, this does feel kind of toppy to me. And I do believe that once we break 32, we could quickly go to like 37, right? Because there's really no trading in between that. And then that's what they do, right? Then everybody comes in and then they trap you, come to find out it's a bull trap. And then we correct and we come back down because you still kind of have like the macro headwind. And if you listen to the whole interview, he's in the belief, right? Um, uh, Larry Fink's in the belief that, that the Fed still has to raise three or four more times, right? The market's pricing in one. And the, what the market wants is clarity, right? When the market has clarity, it runs. When it has indecision or it doesn't know what's going to happen, you know, six months into the future, that's where we get major corrections. And so I think it's really interesting that the market's pricing in one more rate hike. But when you hear him talk, he was talking about that possibly three to four rate hikes. So if that did happen, you could see how the market could completely correct in the next few months if the Fed decided to just to crank it back up at least until something major broke and then you know we, we go flat and then we start next year you know coming back down again with the rate hikes so johnny well everybody's focused on bitcoin the largest bank on the planet out of england just migrated to become iso compliant we are going to talk about that later in the episode because i think that's more important than a bitcoin etf but the conversation that we were having earlier i want to get your take are they steering people into bitcoin because they want to get them away from gold well let me first address the the, the thing you said about bricks, right? So 100% makes total sense. If you or I or anybody were trying to start a new currency to go against the world reserve currency, what's the best way to do it? Back, the, back it with a hard asset. Like gold, right? The only, the only true currency that we've known through the test of time is gold. So it makes 100% no shocker, no surprise. They were all buying up all the gold anyway. We knew that was happening. And then if you're going to launch the currency, you're going to back it with something that everybody has to trust or you're never going to be able to de-dollarize the dollar or you know unseat the dollar. So no surprise there. I expected that it would be gold backed that we're getting that. That makes sense. And then you're going to see all these, um, you know, other countries follow suit. But then somewhere down the road, just like they did with the U.S. dollar it was backed by gold on, for about 40, 50 years. Right. And they took it off. at some point. Abs and I won't be around most likely to see it, but maybe you or your grandkids will. They'll take that off the gold standard, too, because if they back it by gold, they can't inflate it. Uh, so that's point number one. Point number two, Fink and J.P. Morgan, Jimin and all them, they've been very consistent. They have always said that there's tons of value in the blockchain. 
They've always said they love the blockchain. What they bashed and have continued to bash, and this is the narrative I'm keeping my ear on, is they've always said the cryptocurrency part was a scam. It was fake. It was no good and not needed. But the blockchain, you know, go watch JP Morgan or Diamond. He'll tell you he loves the blockchain, thinks the technology is great. Fink saying thinks the technology is great. The question is, pay attention to the narrative if they shift on actual the word cryptocurrency and they start talking about that being great too. You're spot on, Johnny, but I did want to get your answer to a question. Do you think that Bitcoin is becoming an alternative to gold? Larry Fink is now promoting it as digital gold because it can be transferred easier. It's an international asset, but gold is so heavily, heavily manipulated. I don't know if I want to see Bitcoin become the digital gold. Well, here's how I look at that, okay? You're not going to unseat gold this quickly, okay? Because it's been around for 5,000 years and the only trusted monetary source in the world by banks. But don't be surprised as you start to see them blend and mesh the lines. And as Mario said earlier, we're moving into a digital world. These guys are looking for a digital gold. It won't surprise me 100 years from now if digital gold, you know, is known as Bitcoin, right? Most likely in that the rest, you know, and gold will still be there. Gold's never going away, but it'll be less relied upon. I think you'll see a shifting of the hands from gold to digital gold. But I think that's... 50 to 100 years from now, I think, before, you know, before the world, you know, uses more Bitcoin than gold. I think it's going to take a long time, but I think this is the very start beginning of us moving in that direction. But um, but it's not going to it's not happening overnight. That's for sure. You ain't going to see the world move from a gold backed security to a Bitcoin backed security. That's going to be a very, 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 very long time from now, in my opinion. Absolutely. But I did think it was interesting that he was promoting gold as an international asset. The title of today's episode, guys, is Millionaires Will Be Made Through These Three Cryptocurrencies. One of them is Bitcoin, one of them is XRP, and the third one we're going to be discussing later in the episode. But we got 336 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. Look at former uh, JP Morgan advisor Raul Paul explaining the use cases for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and even XRP. You know, we've started to see the... Uh, the active addresses rising. We're starting to see activity rising, as we should be at this stage in the cycle, the crypto spring. We're starting to see people come out of hibernation, start exercising those muscles again, but we're not operating across everywhere. So we're seeing you know, NFTs dead as a doornail, but we're starting to see more activity in Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin's great because it has huge value transacted. Um, ETH has a lot more transactions, but they're lower in economic value just the nature of the chains. So it, this is really, yeah. and XRP, really interesting, is because it has very low value transactions, but a lot of them. They all work out, all of these work out roughly. It's fascinating. You know, we've started. Abs, you're on mute, brother. You're on mute. Oh, you're on mute. I thought it was me. Oh, sorry, guys. That's my apologies. New software, but not that new. Gonzo, what I did want to get your thoughts on is Raul Paul is somebody who's understood the crypto market for a long time, talking about the use cases for Ethereum specifically, and even Bitcoin. Now he's talking about XRP continually, and I don't think he's the one who made that decision. I think there's people behind the scenes that are making a much larger shift, and he's just going out to, to I guess, get, a, get ahead of that, if that makes sense. So you tell me your thoughts. We'll kick it to Mario. You know, I don't know. I, I follow Raul Paul a lot, and, and I, I know about his, like, uh, Metca, Metcalf's Law theory, and he has um, – there's another theory. It's just losing my – losing uh, what, what it's called. The everything code, right? And it has to do with the cycles of liquidity and, you know, how they monetize debt every three years and stuff. So he's a really smart guy, right? I, I think, you know, it could be something as simple as that he's done the work, right? When people start to do the research and they go down the rabbit hole. So maybe he's finally kind of started to understand how XRP works and what its role is. But I, I mean, those are for me, like some of my biggest assets, right? XRP, Ethereum and Bitcoin, right? And, and I think there'll be others too. There are other kind of use case, the ones for gaming and for um, NFTs. Cause look, the NFTs, like he's saying, they're gonna die, right? I, I believe that NFTs are evolving and so it's hard to pick like which project is actually going to take off again, right? As you look at the, like the floor price of the mutant eights is down in the dumps. All these projects are down in the dumps, but what's valuable is the chains, right? So it's the underlying chain that builds the NFTs that I'm looking at. And that's why I really kind of like Solana. 
right? Because of the development activity and what's going on with NFTs and gaming, because it's going to be really hard to pick the next mutant apes. Cause you know how it is. These are cycles right now. Everything's down there at their bottom. It's going to come back up. Some of those projects are not going to come back up. New projects are going to take their places, but the underlying change is what interests me. Something that you brought up, very important. We are seeing a massive migration away from Ethereum with NFTs and onto other networks. Two networks that I think are going to be massive when people find out about the technology, HBAR and the XRPL. There's really no competitors in the market when it comes to those two blockchains and NFTs. But Mario, we've got some very interesting connections here. Yesterday, Twitter received free, their first payment license ever. And we're going to break down how X.com could play a role. But let's get into this important news. As the Bank of England successfully migrates CHAPS to ISO 20022, UK's UK's Central Bank of England revealed that its payment system had successfully upgraded to the ISO 20022 standard. This is also known as the Clearinghouse Automated Payment System and is considered one of the largest high-value payment systems in the world providing settlement-free risk, streamlined, and irrevocable payments. On average, the Bank of England has assumed responsibility for CHAPS in 2017, and it was estimated to settle just below $400 billion of daily value. The shift's happening, Mario. People are talking about Bitcoin. This is much more important, and there's two tokens. I put them on the thumbnail, so I may as well say them. Quant Network and XRP are connected to this migration. You tell me your thoughts. For the first time ever, the biggest bank on the planet's moving into crypto is this bigger than a Bitcoin ETF? Um, it has. It certainly has the potential to be much bigger. We know that the ISO 20022 protocol, um, we know that it heavily involves blockchain because blockchain has a technology to facilitate uh, or to upgrade the, the current system that is being utilized by the financial system of the world. So the connections are all there. There are patents, there are partnerships, there are documents. I mean, it's also clear at this point so we're just waiting for that moment to happen. We're waiting for that for that uh, flip of the switch moment, and it is it is going to happen at some point. Um, you know, the fact that they're that, that they're switching this or that they have adopted the ISO twenty thousand twenty two, it's again more confirmation about everything that that is being spoken about and the involvement of all these different projects. I you know I, it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, to see things come out. Um, any more going forward because we, we we have all the clues already there and ripple and all these technologies and all these different branches that ripple is is positioning themselves in like super exciting um the one thing the one thing that uh, uh that is very frustrating is definitely the lawsuit like what is happening nobody's saying anything everything is so quiet but i really think that um Ripple has not stopped and they continue to, to, to spread their wings and, and they're getting in all these different places. And once this lawsuit is, is resolved, I really think we could start to see this explosion of adoption, adoption of Ripple products across uh, different financial systems. Johnny, we talk about the use case for on-demand liquidity, increasing the need for banks to buy crypto. XRP is obviously going to be used to communicate between central bank digital currencies. But this move we're seeing right here is the move before the CBDCs. In order for CBDCs to come in and be compliant with the banks, they have to have these new payment systems in place. $400 billion a day is what this bank does. When do you anticipate maybe some effects on the crypto market? Oh God, that's a great question. Um, That's gonna come later on when more and more of the adoption comes into play, not just a single bank, but it's gonna be huge. You know, it's the perfect marriage. XRP and Quant together are are literally the, the, the perfect meshing of the two technologies because you know everybody thinks that xrp has the interoperability of quant but it doesn't even though some people in our chat tend to think they do it's not true uh they were designed for two different things now xrp what it does have it does have some interoperability built within it that it will allow it to accommodate other blockchains to some degree but not to the effect where quant does like a tcpip where it can connect to the outside world and bring that all into all different blockchains so when you marry man if we get the marriage between xrp and quant you're talking about two technologies that are going to unlock an entire uh whole new system and so for me that that gets me excited we want to see those guys working together and with the with that with the bank of england that's where it's all going to start so again extremely bullish and exciting news We're in day one. We want to see more adoption of that. It wouldn't surprise me if ultimately at the end of the day, those were two of the key layers of the multi-layer system that makes up the new financial banking system where you're looking at Guam and you're looking at um, 
XRP. Gonzo, one of the things that sticks out to me about this migration, Quant only has 14.5 million tokens. Bill just commented that. I want to get that in there. But when we look at the Bank of England's migration, I think it's setting the tone for institutions around the world. This is the time to make the shift. The FedNow payment system is going live in the United States right now. And the Bank of England is working on something much more interoperable, much more with a global perspective, as opposed to banking transactions within the United States. So this is a much bigger catalyst for me. As an American, we like to pretend we run the world, but Bank of England, they're actually just as powerful, if not more so when it comes to banking. You tell me what sticks out to you, Gonzo. Yeah, you know, definitely they're disruptive technology when it comes to the financial world. And what you're talking about is a bridge asset and then XRP liquidity that flows in between it and the connection points. So you're right, Abs. I think I think it's a big deal. Um, I, I guess because I've already kind of sold on it. Like I have my my strategy, and I continue to dollar cost average into XRP and Quant. I, but and I don't question it, and I just kind of move on to doing other research. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm already. You don't have to sell me on it. I'm already a believer. Like this is how they redo the new financial system, right? And then and like and you're right. And and a lot of the stuff that they do is a distraction while they continue to build this in the background, right? And so I think we're very lucky that, you know, we talk about these kind of things and that where people are gonna have an opportunity to kind of invest because you're right, once these things get implemented and they're like something like the Bank of England is using it and then it spreads out from there, right? That's when it really, really takes off and starts to run. Johnny Crypto, the biggest conversation in the XRP community has been, will the Fed now uh, adoption be a catalyst for XRP's price chart? We're not going to provide evidence of the of the price movement, but what we are going to provide evidence for is that Ripple has been working with the Federal Reserve since 2015 and is even cited on many internal documents. This first document that we're showing you is from the BIS, and it's talking about how RippleNet creates the unification of global payments. Why is that important, guys? Latest update from this person, Brett Hill on Twitter. Ripple partners with the Federal Reserve, and we are on their website reading a paragraph from the Federal Reserve right now. Ripple is a solution that empowers providers to make real-time cross-border payments. Cross-border payments today generally take two to four days to settle with limited visibility and status and fees. Ripple enables full visibility on these payments as well as certification status of fees and settlement in real time. That is the Federal Reserve basically explaining why banks should use Ripple, Johnny. Is this exciting news for you as an ADA guy? I mean, first of all, easy with the ADA guy, okay? I'm no ADA guy. My biggest holdings. <laughs> It's XRP and, and XLM. So let's just get the facts straight. Number two, let me give a shout out to our man, Waters Above Crypto. Oh, been a long time. Can't wait to see you, brother. He's going to be on the show soon. We will have him on next week. So we are excited to get there. Um, you know, abs, uh, you know, things like this. Here's where my mind goes. You know, I think differently. So if they're talking about it, it makes you wonder. Because as Yusko said, they don't talk about things they're doing, right? And so I don't like when they're actually talking about it. This is going to be counterintuitive to most people. But I don't like when they're talking about it because then it makes me wonder, well, then are they really doing that or something else? <clears throat> Excuse me. In the background. So it gets me excited. And it's great that they're pointing out and they're calling attention to it. The question is, when are we going to hear the news that they're actually using it and adopting it? You know, and so... Just to do a quick thing, I checked chat GPT, I think it was yesterday, a couple of days ago, because I wanted to get a sense for, and the good news was 20 central banks are actually testing or trialing out the XRPL technology. So it's very exciting to hear that. But again, you always got to hold these things with a little grain of salt when they're talking about something, because again, they usually typically don't talk about it when they're using it, as you heard Yosko say as well. So that's just the, the grain of salt I give you. But yes, overall, I'm very bullish and happy to see that. Gonzo, we got to get that echo muted for Johnny, and I'm only teasing him here. We got 369 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Later this month, I believe it's on July 20th, the U.S. Federal Reserve certified 57 companies will be going live with FedNow payments. This is a huge catalyst for the crypto markets, Gonzo, not just because this system is going to affect it, but because this is a much larger move from the banks to start incorporating these assets into their system. One of the things that I do want to close us out on, $400 billion a day are settled through the Bank of England alone. When we see the mass migration of banks into blockchain products, $400 billion is a drop in the bucket, Gonzo. So let me ask you to close us out here. Quant Network, XRP, XLM, we talk about them all, but are they going to receive an influx of price because of this adoption? 
that's the million dollar question, right? Because when you look at the utility of, of XRP, right, and all the partnerships, that hasn't translated into price appreciation. And, you know, Waters in the house, and he talks about this all the time, and he gets a lot of hate, right? Because, you know, he talks about how if you look at it, it hasn't really been like this HODL coin that you hold on to because it hasn't done much, right? So we haven't seen that yet. And that's kind of like we're all waiting for, like we're all waiting for like this lawsuit to end. And then people think it's going to go to the moon, but then it's not. It's never what you think it is, right? This lawsuit's going to end. And are we going to get price appreciation? Yeah. But these astronomical prices that people think that it's going to run to, um, I just don't think that's happening, right? That, that's going to take a lot of time and a lot of adoption and a lot of actual institutions coming in and using it, right? And so I think it's the same thing when it comes to like, quant and some of the other ones it takes time to kind of use these things and then like for it to finally kind of translate into into price action if that makes sense definitely makes sense oh go ahead go ahead mario i was just gonna say and by the way abs that was in pounds so it's actually 500 million dollars that was in pounds that that number whoa so an even bigger 500 billion dollars per day in settlement just through the bank of england alone and just yesterday guys they began to migrate into ISO. Well, we got 372 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And if you're looking for some bullish news about crypto, Jim Cramer has just become critical of the market. So we are going to be experiencing some nice price action. We're going to show you this clip. As yesterday, Twitter received a license to offer payments on their platform. Elon Musk is slowly driving Twitter into X.com 2.0. But let's hear from Jim Cramer before we talk about it. I don't think they thought of Twitter. But in that, I am being facetious, but I, I say game, set, match Zuckerberg because he's really learned his lesson. He is really understands that it does matter, that you want to be committed to the community. And Facebook is, is a very, uh, Instagram is a really terrific product. And Twitter is awful. And my kids were saying, like, why are you posting on Twitter? I said, well, it's free. I said, well, that's just great. The worst things in life are free. <laughs> does that mean you're going to migrate? Are you going to move your content 100%. delivery to threads? I'll, I'll put some Twitter in just because I like be, I'm a masochist who doesn't mind being hated, but that's been the way of my, of most of my life. I've had enough of Jim Cramer this morning, Johnny Crypto. So you give me your thoughts. But one of the things I will say, they're talking about how yesterday Jack Dorsey launched his new platform as a competitor to Twitter. It's called Threads and it got over 2 million signups on day one. It's trash. I signed on to the product. It is not nearly as good, but you give me your take on Jim Cramer before we discuss it. It's Zuckerberg, not, not Jack Dorsey. Zuckerberg, apps. Oh, sorry, Zuckerberg. He came out with threads. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dorsey came up with his own new Twitter version. I forgot the name of it now, but, you know, Jim is right about one thing. Usually stuff they give you for free is trash. <laughs> there is some truth to that, but obviously if Jim is saying that Zuckerberg is going to win, we all know the rule, right? You just do the opposite of what Jim says, so you better put your money on Twitter. But nonetheless, you know, I don't really, I don't really care about this battle. It, Elon is making some mistakes, and the whole rate limit thing on Twitter is going to hurt them. So I, I don't know what the hell's going on. But he is going to convert it to a WeChat and a payment system. And when he does, I think that's going to bring users back. I, I really don't really care so much about about that particular piece of the whole thing, I think, uh, from that perspective. And sorry, Abs, I missed some of the article. I, I just got a call. Good news. Yeah, it's a full day. Good day. Good news day today. Uh, my dad's being released from the hospital, too. So. Uh, from his surgery. So it's been a lot of good awesome, news all dude. around. Yes. We're, getting, we're getting good news yeah. all around here today. So uh, so I missed a little bit of, of where you were going with that article. But nonetheless, I, I, I this is going to be an interesting battle between the two of them, those two companies. But just know this, they're both going to be around and they're both going to be driving um, the future of, of, uh, of either the metaverse or the payment system. Gonzo, there was a new demographic shown yesterday. They polled all of the employees at American Crypto Services. And guess what the most unhappy company in America was? That would be Coinbase because they are facing scrutiny from the SEC. I just wanted to get your opinion on this chart. There's not much like really in this article. It just asked employees how happy they were, not only with regulation, but with comp- with the company itself. Coinbase came in last place. They are the least happy and they are the slowest growing. But what do you think? What does this really say about the American markets? You know, I, I think it's kind of, well, it says something about their management, right? And I think it's different, like, Coinbase as an investment thesis and how they're being run internally and are those employees happy or not. Right. Um, but, um, I do think that like, you know, if you don't want to get involved in crypto, that the next best thing is I think coin, that's just my personal opinion. If you look at where it was down to 
when it had like the max FUD and we thought exchanges were going to zero, it literally hit pre-IPO prices. I think Link2 had it at $38 and I think it hit 35, right? And so when you look at where it's at now, it's about $80. Um, I think they're going to do extremely well, right? This whole SEC lawsuit thing is all just FUD. It's a facade. You look at the ETF uh, applications. Every single person that redid their application when they did the surveillance shares part, which is the part that was missing of the applications, they all named Coinbase as far as who their partner is for that aspect of the application. So you tell me that you think they're going away. And so I do think that, you know, it's getting up a little bit higher, but if you don't want to invest in crypto, I think that investing in coin is kind of the next best thing because they're absolutely not going anywhere. And once this, this uh, SEC lawsuit goes away and gets resolved, um, I, I think that you're going to get some serious price action in coin. You know, Abs, I talked about this yesterday. I, I know I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I truly think coin is going to be, has the potential to be like the next future Amazon, you know, and, and I just mean from a growth and capital market cap perspective because of all the things they have going on. They're not just an exchange. They're also a bank behind the scenes. They're also a software company. They're in multiple elements, just the way Amazon kind of had done, but nobody knew it. Nobody just ever just thought of them as a bookstore. But it, uh, Gonzo's absolutely right. If you want exposure to the cryptocurrency market per se and don't want to buy all the coins, coin is an absolutely great i think not financial advice not financial advisor and for the disclosure i have some coin i think it's a great way to get in there and kind of play and ride that thing uh you know and then the bitcoin etf will also be another great way to get exposure to it once that comes out and my guess is abs you're gonna start to see soon thereafter a whole shit ton of different cryptocurrency etfs where you'll have you know grayscale already does it grayscale had a bunch of these if you remember where they were putting together an ETF on like Ethereum and XRP. They had like all different kinds. There's going to be like a whole bunch of mutual fund or ETF type cryptocurrency baskets. I think you'll just see Grayscale's trying to do that. They just haven't been able to get approval. But uh, so they've been doing it only for accredited investors. But I think that's where the world is headed at. And there's going to be plenty of opportunity for people to get exposure without buying a single cryptocurrency. Mario, there's two bigger narratives going on here. One, Bitcoin adoption, and two, the banks are shifting digital. What do you think is more important overall? As a regular retail investor, I think people are looking for safer options, and many of these ISO protocols could be considered high risk. So from your personal opinion, not a financial advisor, what do you think is a more important narrative, a Bitcoin ETF and mainstream adoption, or some of these tokens being used by banks behind the scenes? That is a great question, Abs. And I think, so Ooh, from a, a perspective- question. From a perspective of somebody that's exposed to, uh, uh, you know, the entire crypto market or, you know, diversified across the, the crypto market, I think the banking part is more important. For people that obviously are maxis around Bitcoin or that primarily hold Bitcoin, of course, the ETF is, is going to be massive news for them because they're more exposed to Bitcoin. But Bitcoin doesn't really have that much ties or involvement in, in all these technologies or the financial system uh, evolution. But, you know, Quant, XRP, XLM, all these HBAR, all these um, different uh, blockchain projects, they're trying to revolutionize the financial system and they have the potential to to be to be explosive. And so I think for me, based on my portfolio and again, like Johnny Crypto said, it's not financial advice. I am more bullish on all the uh, financial adoption or the uh, financial system adoption, the banking adoption, the CBDCs. You know, I, I'm not a fan of CBDCs, but obviously it would be foolish of me to not take advantage of the technology and the fact that they're they're utilizing this technology and that we could see exponential growth. So, um, but yeah, my answer is the banking system. Absolutely. And Bob Way seems to agree with you, Gonzo. I mean, Mario, we're going to hear from Gonzo next, but I'm going to read four quick tweets. I'm just reminding our listeners, this week, 57 companies announced that they were going to be utilizing FedNow when the system goes live at the end of the month. Well, could that be impacting Ripple? Bob Way, a former Ripple employee and one of the founders of the company, tuned in to say ISO migration is way bigger than you might think at first. The reason is this. ISO 20022 is an extremely helpful to Ripple's bank sales for the team. This means that every bank is required to implement this new technology and inherently become compliant with RippleNet. This is the number one reason I think most banks' integrations don't happen. New system development is quickly expensive and risky. Uh, mistakes can generate bank losses or fines, and banks can get fired. 
The person who, are, who you're negotiating with, which would be Ripple in this case, must have a product budget, a development budget, and a risk appetite. With the mandatory compliance that's happening with ISO 20022, these banks aren't going to be put in that situation. They're not going to have a choice. So if banks don't decide to upgrade, they won't be compliant anymore. This is going to create a much larger pool for ODL-compatible banks for RippleNet and specifically drive some adoption into RippleNet for transfers. This is really exciting news, especially from a founder of the company. Gonzo, why don't you give me your two cents and we'll kick it to Johnny. Yeah, you know, I think Mario is spot on because when you look at it, it feels like it's the most outdated in all of its technology and the one where it needs more of the disruptive technology to come in and fix it, right? And so when that comes in, I feel like, Mario was saying, that's where the room to grow and where the room for this thing to run is. Like the speculation of it going from where it is now to when this stuff gets implemented has more room than like the, I feel like the Bitcoin narrative, right? Uh, not that it's not a good investment. I, I, I think it stabilizes portfolios, especially on the downturns. But if you're here for like the alpha or the speculation part of it, it's, it's this world, right? Because this is where all the new technology is going to come in uh, and fix a very broken system that's very outdated. Absolutely. And Johnny, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Uphold has revealed in its new data release that it holds over 1 billion XRP tokens. It had an impressive portfolio of over $1.05 billion worth of XRP in its reserves. A lot of people who don't know, obviously, if you're looking to get XRP in the United States, Uphold is one of the exchanges you can go to. But seeing that they have over a billion dollars worth of tokens, that's about two, 2.1 billion tokens on their platform, Johnny. Really exciting. What does this mean to you that Uphold is holding so much XRP? Well, I mean, they're the number one exchange for buying and selling it in the U.S., so they have to hold on to a good chunk of it for liquidity. Um, and so, so I don't know what the rules are in terms of how much they have to set aside for liquidity versus you know, what they're holding on their own. But nonetheless, I'm not surprised to see them have a huge chunk of it. Um, you know, I think what we're talking about here is we've seen the overhaul of the front end of all these systems many years ago. You got Venmo, you got PayPal, you got Cash App, and you have all these things. What we're talking about here now with XRP in in ISO 20, uh, 2022 overriding Swift, we're talking about now revamping the back end, the back side, the, the area in the back where we make the sausage where nobody cares about, right? Nobody nobody cares when I send you money or send you an email or make a phone call how it works, okay? Except for the people who own the technologies that are in the background that are doing it and the companies that pay money for those technologies that cost them money to operate them. And that's what we're seeing now. So the front end has been fixed many, many years ago. Now we're seeing the back end getting fixed with a whole new entire infrastructure and system that most of the world is never going to see at. Nobody's going to see the XRP operating or working or using or, you know, how it works in the background. Just the way you don't know how TCPIP, most people don't know how it works. They don't care. But the reason why it's significant to all of us here is because we're investing in these technologies early on. And as they get adopted and they get built in to run the back end of these systems, that to me is where the true value is going to be driven into these different cryptocurrencies and why certain ones, you know, may rise and go higher than others, because now you're unlocking the true value of that entire system when it gets baked into the back end of these of these uh, these apps and banking banking systems. Gonzo, let's close out this conversation with something I know Johnny's going to want to get a, get his thoughts in on. Larry Fink actually compared Bitcoin to gold, and I want to close this out by stating Bitcoin is an international asset, according to Larry Fink. But anybody who's been in this market for a long time knows, allegedly, the NSA tracked down Satoshi Nakamoto in 2015 and found four developers in California. So let's have the important discussion here. At what point are we going to address that? We either don't know who Satoshi is, and that's a massive liability, or we do know who Satoshi is, and it's the biggest lie in financial history, at least according to the digital asset investor. So with just a minute left, you give me your thoughts, Gonzo, and then we'll hear from Mario. I actually don't have time, bro. We'd have to go really deep into it because I've done a lot of deep research into cyberpunks and what my opinion is on who Satoshi is. You know, I'm leaning towards Nick Sabo and maybe how Finney was the coder. Like you have to remember that there was a lot of projects that came before Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin took all of those pieces and brought it in. We could talk about Satoshi and why I think Satoshi was anonymous because of what happened in the past to the other guys who had DigiCash and a bunch of other stuff. So maybe on a different show, but... 
basically in the sum of it is I think it's a combination of Zick, Nick Sabo and Hal Finney. Mario, I got to get, we got 30 seconds, but I do got to get your thoughts. Larry Fink is now claiming it's an international asset. That in and of itself is a big deal, but you tell me, Bitcoin versus gold, why are they promoting that narrative? Well, it, it, it fits in perfectly to the time to the time that we're living in right now, right? So it, it, it fits in perfectly with the narrative of the digital age. Uh, we're starting to see everything transition. The financial system is transitioning. Uh, people have become way more digital since since the uh, the C word. So it, it all makes sense. They want to drive people to be more connected. And, you know, it makes sense from a perspective of being tracked as well. We know that people's freedom is slowly being taken away. So it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be more, more, more traceable. Johnny, I look forward to the day when we can talk about how Larry Fink said exactly what you put on your piece of paper. Crypto bad, CBDC good. And of course, I'm kidding, guys. We got 333 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Mario. And thank you to Johnny Crypto himself. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go.